0: Hi, welcome to the Not Quite Compassion podcast. This is episode number twenty-four, entitled "Psychedelics" with Ryan Meeks. And I want to give a bit of context because, oh man, there's a lot here. This is a great episode. Um, Ryan Meeks, uh, in another life, was a mega church founding pastor of a place called Eastlake Church in North Kirk, North North Seattle, Bothell area. Um, he was uh, eventually. Um, through Ryan's leadership and a whole lot of events uh, became one of the largest and most prominent uh, churches that that brand become LGBTQ plus affirming, which landed it in time magazine and, um, half the congregation leaving overnight and protesters out front and (laughs) a whole lot more. Um, and since then Eastlake has rebounded, um, and continues to this day to, to be a place of real wholeness and, and, um, And help for a lot of people, including myself. You'll probably hear Eastlake referenced uh, in other episodes uh, if you haven't already. Um, Since then, Ryan stepped away as the founding pastor of Eastlake and moved down to California, where he um, is currently a spiritual coach and um, a psychedelic trip sitter, um, meaning he sits with people as they go through high-dose psychedelics like um, psilocybin, or another word for that is uh, mushrooms. Uh, I've known Ryan for years when we both were pastors, and then in a few months ago, I actually went down with some close friends down to California to visit Ryan and sat or went through my own high dose uh, mushroom trip, and Ryan sat with me, and it was um, it was like three years of therapy shoved into three hours. I mean, it was it was not fun, but it was deeply transformational for me, and I have to say that I, I don't think I would do it with anyone else but Ryan sitting with me because I felt like he was absolutely professional and, uh, created a safe space, uh, made me really clear and aware of what was going to happen before and after and during, Um, I was given pre and post work to work on. Um, and the whole experience just was, um, deeply, deeply, deeply transforming for me. So, um, Ryan and I talk about that, we talk about uh, the notion of trust, um, we get into how music plays a part in how he sits with people, um, breathing, Reiki, and uh, so much more. Gosh, I had so much, so many questions to ask him, and I try to get as many in uh, in the time that we had together. Uh, so I really hope you enjoy this, um, this episode number 24 with Ryan Meeks and Psychedelics. okay welcome ryan meeks thank and, you sir uh, i'm <laughs> giddy right now i'm just so excited uh, that uh you agreed to do this i, I just i miss you and um, uh thanks man it's wonderful
1: you. to see you man thanks dude me
0: yeah too. thanks so, for having um, me let's i mean you and i go back um <laughs> oh man how far are you gonna go <laughs> we were both pastors at one point yeah. um, um we both i think i think it's fair to say we both had our our times of like breaking down and uh and <laughs> going, sure. going through deconstruction which i hate even using that word nowadays um yeah because I, I don't even know i just want to move on i don't
1: on. Even know what that is anymore yeah it feels like deconstruction that's why it gets used you know it, yeah. it feels violent and destructive but, yeah, I know what you mean, even in the last few years i've I've been like, "I don't know that that was deconstruction anymore. You get a little bit further away, and you mm. know a little bit longer of a view, a wider lens makes you realize like, oh, that wasn't I think you know now it looks a lot more like my faith was building it was mm. it was construction first of all, it was like the first thing I ever built because everything else was something someone else handed to me, and so I, what I was losing wasn't mine anyway, and I was building something for the first time. And that process was so unknown and messy Mm -hmm. that, and other people had been using the word deconstruction, because if you, if you, uh, second guess any of the things people give you, you're deconstructing something. Mm. (laughs) Okay, fine. Yeah. (laughs) And then we just put that, you know, import that on the top, but yeah,
0: I hear you, man. You're right. It's not like, I mean, I always... (laughs) Valued and cared deeply about wholeness. I've always cared about authenticity. Um, it just the pre uh, the propositional true statements that I once found my identity and don't yeah. didn't support that as well as I used. To. Yeah, but the, totally. those values were there before, and they'll be there after. For sure, it's
1: like growing out of your, growing out of your clothes. You know, nobody mm-hmm. as you're growing up, nobody's like that's a problem. It's just part of development. Is Hmm. these things I was able to wear comfortably for a season and you know now I got a little bit more of a middle
0: (laughs) (laughs) so um so I went down to um to holy shit is that a beautiful place where you live right now oh we love it yes so went down there to my closest friends and we did a uh full disclosure I definitely googled how to pronounce it so it's, it's an open tab right now on my, on my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Which word are we looking for here? Si- psilocybin. Oh, is that psilocybin. Right? Yeah, yeah. Psilocybin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is shrooms. Um, yeah. And yep. Uh, a psychedelic. And mm-hmm. um, I did a high-dose um, trip with, with you. As well, How would you define your role in that?
1: Uh, I say trip sitter. So I sit okay. for someone's trip. Um, I'm hesitant to use the not even hesitant. I, I'm allergic to the word "guide," okay, um, because there's a lot of implying there that like I'm taking your hand and leading you through your experience, which, as you know, was not really true. You know, you're having an experience, and I'm definitely there to assist, but the only one guiding is you, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of language out there. You know, over the last couple of years, people who put themselves up as guides, but just, I'm not sure how well that word maps onto the actual experience.
0: <laughs> yeah. And while I even, to just give you some kudos, I even noticed that in how you kind of did our wrap up too. Mm. that. I mean, maybe you just had practically some other things you had to go to, but, <laughs> but I was taken, <laughs> I mean, I was super high, but all, cause so you look like an angel, but, um, <laughs> <at that> point, <laughs> but, but, um, but it was, I was taken by how quickly you were like, okay, we'll see you later guys. And I, yeah. and looking back, I wonder if that was part of it is, is your desire to decenter yourself from it, which could be very easily become that right. Of like, yeah. yeah, sure. I'm the guy that helped you through this, but it's not actually about you. And yeah, I admire totally.
1: that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say that the, the number one thing I'm there doing first is making sure that people are safe, you know, that's under the banner of harm reduction. So, um, you know, anything that happens besides that is, is good and important. But the main thing I want to make sure of is that uh, these powerful medicines can be accessed by folks who have no experience and make sure that we're mitigating any unnecessary danger, which is really easy because these are incredibly safe um, comparatively <laughs> to things that people are taking on the regular in their lives. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it does start with that and then and then just I guess one comment on that would just be that um it's really important whether to at least to me in my paradigm whether I'm doing spiritual direction which is of course a, a drug-free experience um or I'm doing psychedelic trip sitting either way if I'm not directing the individual back to themselves to their own authority to their own perspective to their own life experience. Um, we're just doing what I, at least I think both you and I would, um, I'm leaning back to something both you and I would be hesitant to, uh, put a stamp of approval on, which is church is really good at. And that's making people addicted to this uh, leadership structure, you know, Mm -hmm. where they outsource their own power to institutions and leaders and, don't trust themselves. And so I'm, I'm trying to stay as far away from that as possible, especially in this, because I think psychedelics, especially at high dose are incredibly empowering. Mm-hmm. And so to pollute that with, um, you know, you can't do this without me kind of stuff. Then I think that's sort of
0: counterintuitive. Yeah. Actually, that's funny because Benji last episode, him and I were talking about being both Enneagram twos and, and mm. the, the needing to be needed. But then the flip side of that is on the macro institutional level, um, needing needy people to exist yep. right
1: totally and man what an important step towards personal integration for it too, right there is just to be able to look that shadow
0: square in the face and be like oh shit that's true <laughs> yeah which was, so i mean you as guys. you know was the bulk of of my takeaway right that was yeah that was the biggest thing mm-hmm. just to, to finally mm-hmm. confront the idea that i'm, I'm actually enough yeah and um you're okay Shit, that was hard. It's funny whenever people <laughs> ask me about it. And, yeah. and it's I I wonder how what you think about this. My, I see a real um, disarming in people mm-hmm. if they ask about it. The moment I say, yeah, it wasn't fun. Because <laughs> yeah. I think that's what they originally conceive of it as. Yeah. yeah. And um, and it was <laughs> I mean, it was transformational, mm-hmm. and I will be forever grateful. But it was not not fun. It was really, yeah. really. I mean, I know every trip dose, is different, but I mean, as you know, mine was just me bawling for three hours. But yeah, it's no joke, man. And that's I think that's why most
1: people don't do it. You know, um, mm-hmm. once at least it's in your worldview that it exists and it's a thing, and you're aware that this is a therapeutic option. Most people still decline. <laughs> because i think because they know it's real you can fucking shit your way through a talk therapy for nine years right you're still in control Mm. you take a high dose of lsd or psilocybin or whatever any of these compounds you are going to be in the truth without Mm. any veil between you and, and no ability to, you know what, let's just stop here and we'll pick it up next week. You know, <laughs> yeah, Dude, you're riding this train, the, the roller coaster is going. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just very real. There's, there's no joke about it. And a lot of people are at least familiar with, Oh, you know, I've ta- I've taken mushrooms, you know, at the gorge once, or, or they watch dazed and confused and think that they know what a psychedelic experiences or something you know mm-hmm. some of our cultural ways of talking about these things are a little bit outdated you know from from uh drug adi- assist uh drug addiction resistance education that's mm-hmm. when i grew up and uh and just the war on drugs and you know some of the just the bad propaganda around that i mean 90 percent of drug users are not addicted even heavy drug users um which is really irritating to people's world views. they don't like to realize that, uh, that that's true. There are people who mm-hmm. use recreationally things like, and I'm not recommending this, but this is just something to face is that there are recreational heroin users who are not addicted hmm. a lot of them. And uh, that doesn't fit the narrative that kind of keeps us feeling safe of what things are good and what things are bad. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so it's harder to take that information in. Yeah. Going back to that sense of, of control Mm-hmm. You're right. Like I, um, I think especially as someone that, you know, you and I both are, you know, I would say skilled communicators mm-hmm. and even beyond that too. Um, we, we know how to use emotion effectively too, right? To like <laughs> yeah. tell the story <laughs> in just in such a way that you, sure. you feel like, you know, me better than you actually do. And yeah, it's the hustle a connection. Could, yeah. calls it the authenticity hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to to uh, to bend a conversation in just the right direction. That's still yep. vulnerable, but <laughs> but still actually, I'm still completely in control, and I know exactly where this plane's going to land. Exactly. And, but there's yep. none of that bullshitting when you and you're no. right. I think I think people inherently know that I, I'm not going to be able to bullshit myself out of this if I take that team. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it's exactly that's
1: people's number one, my number one fear. Usually, I'm afraid of losing control. I was just talking to a client of mine. Yesterday and you know, hey, how's it going? You know, as you know, I sent some questions that you should be journaling on in the days leading up to the experience. And you know, how's it going? And just replies back. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm afraid of losing control. I'm afraid of what's going to come up when I'm not in control. And you know, good. That's good. That's yeah, because even that's good that's work. Natural. Like sometimes <laughs> yeah. people go
0: through lives without admitting that, right?
1: Right. You know, and I was telling him like, and I've t- told lots of people this. I'm like, do some journaling, like just some free flowing journaling on this. If I lose control, mm. what, what happens? What is that? What's the fear there that we are, you know, what's the monster that we're afraid gets released. So what if you lose control? Like let's chase that, you know, just like in dream work, you know, if you turn to face the wolf instead of running for the next mm. six times, you have that nightmare. You could actually break through into something, and uh, that's the thing about psychedelics. Psychedelics, as opposed to SSRIs or some other psychiatric numbing uh, pharmaceutical, <clears throat> psychedelics, instead of numbing or blocking our emotional experience, they're saying, "Come all the way in." Yeah. Hey, let's sit right smack in the middle of this pain and not move and just marinate in it and feel it all the way through and let it fill our bodies and overwhelm us and thereby not necessarily fix the trauma itself but expand you know push the walls back and make more room around the thing that's causing us so much distress or anxiety or um, depression and that's that's just a really common experience is that people realize like it just created so much breathing room around things that used to make my throat tight. You know, I just yeah. feel, um, spaciousness
0: around. Yeah. Me. Yeah. That was definitely my experience was the, the deeply, deeply feeling mm-hmm. some of these emotions and, and mm-hmm. at first being like, Oh God, what is this emotion going to bring up? Like, what's that mm-hmm. attached to? But yeah. then choosing to, to invite it in anyway <laughs> and not mm-hmm. knowing where it's going. That, that yeah. l- Losing of control was, uh, was terrifying, but also liberating all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cause you're right. I yep. don't think it fixes it. Maybe it integrates It's a better, do you think? Yeah, for sure. I, and I think that that's a really good distinction you're
1: making there because that's the difference, uh, I think between, uh, stuffing something into the shadow or, you know, what maybe spiritual bypassing might be another way to say it yeah. and real healing, which is, actually holding, you know it's taking into ourselves all of ourselves without rejection you know every time we have to feel like we have to get rid of something in ourselves that's going to be the temptation to deny it bypass it or push it into the shadow which doesn't make any of it go away it just Mm -hmm. makes it you know, under the carpet, into the closet where it can act out in ways that are unconscious to us. So, you know, we just, so we self-sabotage, um, or we lash out in ways when those things get triggered because they're still there. <laughs> yeah. They're just locked up in a chest, you know, or thrown mm-hmm. under the rug. So, yeah, I mean, that's a super important distinction that these things aren't going away. And the more we can choose to be with them in love and acceptance, which I always say is the strongest psychedelic there is. The strongest psychedelic there is is love and acceptance. Now, these drugs, these plants, right? These compounds can be really helpful allies in getting to love and acceptance. But really, the healing is the love and acceptance. It's like seeing the pain, seeing and feeling all of these things that maybe we've suppressed or we haven't had the, just the time to sit and feel and grieve. And then... Having grieved the ocean of tears that was yours to grieve, all the space opens up where because you released it, all this space opens up. And it's like, oh, I can I can let it go, you know, I can take a deep breath. I can um I can navigate my life, not because I got rid of something, but because I was able to look at it and face it and realize that, okay, I, I'm okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not destroyed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um it was it was it was especially special for for myself and our two buddies because you know when we came out it was you know to have those guys waiting for me, you know. hmm and, and mm-hmm. vice versa was really yeah, powerful, really sweet. To, I agree. I feel I was, safe
1: and I was I was tearing up, man. It's like to be able to because It's about dropping into our hearts. You know, again, these medicines are about living from heart centered awareness instead of in our heads, which most of us live in all the time. Yeah. Um, Just because the Western mind is just conditioned to be up there. We don't trust our intuition because we can't scientifically prove it. So it's, you know, so it doesn't exist is what we say. Mm -hmm. And it does. And it's an incredibly Mm -hmm. important discernment tool, but we're, we're so used to having to check with the latest and greatest, you know, studies show is all you need to say to make people go, oh, <laughs> I have to believe this. Yeah. Um, so we've outsourced truth or our way of understanding what's true to other people. So we don't even, we don't have a t- uh, any connection to our own personal truth. Mm. So these compounds make you feel the truth that you do know what's true for you. You can feel your heart. And for some people, it's the first time in a long time. I mean, I had a 70-year-old guy uh, the other day, and it was the first time he'd ever felt his emotions that that he can recall. I'm sure he felt them as a child, but like he'd been living his whole life up in his head, and 70 years old drops into his heart, and just this ocean of love and grief and loss and longing that he touched into that was so overwhelming, you know, like you in the experience, not fun. But on the other side of that, the other side of wading through that ocean and feeling every bit of it, realizing this is a power, this ability to feel my heart Mm. and was able to just pour love out on his family to express to his wife, who he's been with for, I don't remember, 40 some years, 50 years, that he loves her, but in a way that was coming from his heart, you know, from his soul. Yeah. Instead of, you know, Hey honey, I appreciate you. Thanks for making this sandwich or whatever, you know, he, <laughs> he was, yeah, a, yeah. He, would, he would have you know, said that about himself. He's a pretty cold, um, communicator and that's what these things do. So to see you guys, you know, one by one finish these incredible journeys into your hearts to really feel what's there for you. Like what's in Kyle's heart right now at this time, at this point in his spiritual journey, at this point in his journey as a man, um, what's here is there grief is there longing is there pain is there regret like feel it and then to come out and to see people who really do love you like first of all you guys have good relationships anyway like you your friendships are healthy so that's an important thing to say you know i don't think doing these with just anybody who you watch football with is is the wisest choice but these are incredibly safe supportive friends you have yeah and then you were the last one right yeah. So they're already li- just like in their hearts because they're in the afterglow of the experience. And then to have you come out in the middle of it, and all of you at some level are still in at least the sparkles. Um, The afterglow was just so, so beautiful, man.
0: Yeah. We, uh, we had this running, uh, inside joke now about DoorDash because I'm a, I had a subscription to it yeah. and I, and I, I felt so bad cause they, I could tell they clearly were hungry, but I was not yeah. in shape to be able to leave the house. And I yeah, knew that about yeah. myself and, yeah, but they yeah. were just wanting to take care of me. I get that, but I felt guilty yeah. cause I was like, you're hungry. So I kept bringing up the fact that I'm a DoorDash member. Yeah. And they were like over and over. We get it. We get. We get the check. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, you wow. Can use my Doordash. Do you have membership. a Costco
1: card as well, and <laughs> exactly. a check
0: by your name on Instagram. You <laughs> famous person. <laughs> it's a running joke now. For us. I like it. I like um, it. Can we talk about the music? Because I didn't. Sure. I. I. I um. It seems pretty integral to the experience of mm-hmm. um, you sitting with people. You almost yeah. compose, right? Uh, music to kind of guide people through. I was unconscious of it, but in mm-hmm. reflection, I was like, that was super important. Ooh, yeah. How do I you mean, choose that? And can t- you just talk yeah. about that a little bit? Sure.
1: Um, so, you know, music is a vibration and we all feel different things when we hear different kinds of music, right? Some things are emotionally, emotionally evocative and... There's a reason that like movie scores, you know, touch us in particular ways. If you take if you take the music out, you know, what was that movie? No Country for Old Men. I think there was no music in the whole movie. You know, it's like yeah. whoa, this is they were doing something very clearly different. But there's a reason, right, that we that that movies are, movies are scored. They're trying to take you somewhere emotionally, hmm. um, and so music, of course, is a really powerful tool whether or not you're doing psychedelics but anybody who's ever done psychedelics at a concert knows like it's crazy you can taste the music you know <laughs> you yeah. can not just feel it you can smell it you can hear the colors and and uh, so it's an incredibly um uh sensory experience the the role of the music for me first of all it's not required i let people know like you don't have to we don't have to have any music um, I use it, especially for first timers, it, it, because it can help calm the nervous system. So, you know, you're already on high alert. Um, oh my gosh, I'm taking drugs, you know, <laughs> or whatever the narrative is in your head. Like, uh, I'm going to lose control or demons are going to jump in my body or whatever <laughs> you were taught growing up. <laughs> and uh, so I like to, I basically have five playlists that I've curated on Spotify for the journey. Um, um, and they're all different kinds of music, but for the most part, they're, they're wordless, um, pieces and they go from, um, pre journey, sort of like this calming, peaceful, like, I don't want their hearts to be pumping as they're starting to come up as the, as the psilocybin in your case was, um, starting to hit the system. And then there's lift off, which is the second one, which is a little bit, it, it sort of gets a little bit more energy in the music um, and things that create sort of these uh, sensory experiences that go beyond just like the soft, like, oh, which would kind of be the, be- the beginning sort of playlist. The yeah. second one's like left, right panning with certain sounds, you know, so it feels like it, the sounds are all around you and it sort of just opens up this bigger field. Interesting. And then uh, the third playlist is called Orbit, which for me is still calming, but it leaves a ton of room. I don't want the music to dictate or guide the experience either. And I think that there are times when, you know, even a jackhammer, you know, down the street or a truck driving by can derail or take someone out of an experience. So I try to be careful with the music that I'm picking that, yeah, it's there to support the journey and create an -hmm. experience that supports what's already going on rather than this is the show, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the fourth is, uh, catharsis. So this is the most intense playlist. It's still not super intense, but it it has more like rhythm to it. There's a couple of like foreign language, uh, vocalizations in them, like operatic, Um, feelings, but these are, you know, I'll change them in the moment based on how the person seems to be responding in their body. Um, There are some really very emotional violin pieces that if I feel like there's grief that the person's not touching, you know, there's there are a couple of songs that are like my my go-tos. And I mean, I would say more often than not, I I can find a song that helps them feel their pain. If that's what's, at least on order for the person I'm sitting for, and uh, as soon as that gets going, um, I feel like the the music's just they take it or leave it. Because as soon as someone surrenders into whatever the medicine is showing them, they're going to be the journey is doing what it needs to do, and it will it will it will be on a really good clip from there on out. Um, and then I, I have one final playlist, which I just call Reentry, which is. Uh, the vibe I'm going for there is like a lullaby, mm. like a gentle, gentle. Let this soul that has just felt its tender heart come back into the body nice and slow with just peace and love and serenity. So that, yeah, the vibe is just very like t- delicate beauty um, because usually these are when the tears are just rolling out of the eye like of gratitude like mm-hmm. one oh my god i survived that fucking trip <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank god and then <laughs> and then that overwhelming sense of like the beauty of being in a human body and and the beauty yes, it's of like a rebirth life yeah. yeah for sure so yeah in some ways you could look at it as a you know death burial resurrection is is some of the flow of the um even though i have five movements in the music but even all that said there are times when i don't use any music um, you know, when people like for me, when I, for years, when I would go get a massage, I would have to be pretty picky with the person. I'd be like, I can't have any music unless it does not have a time signature because my brain will be counting the time signature. Really? So it'll be like one, two, three, one, two, three, one. Yeah. My brain just keys in and it's listening to, I don't know if it's like years of leading bands and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so I had to, I had to like turn that off and have it be like just you know, this atmospheric pads or you know, singing bowls or something. Yeah. Um, so some people are that way. So I'm really careful with like, hey, does this music sound supportive to your nervous system? If not, it's no big deal. We can just sit in silence. And so it just really depends on the person.
0: Um, what was Michelle doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Michelle is. I- What's it called? Reiki? Reiki. Reiki. Reiki I am so clueless.
1: Yeah. Well me, I I won't, you know, she's probably the best person to talk to about it. Okay. Uh, I knew nothing about it. She was attuned, uh, as a Reiki master, um, level one, two, three. Um, I want to say in 2017. Um, and it's been a huge part of the way that she, uh, we, we sit for journeys together um, many times physically together. But sometimes when she's unable to be there, like I'll, I'll contact her in the middle of a journey and be like, hey, this person is really stuck in their body. I can see that they yeah. need to let go, but they're obviously very afraid. Can you help support? And again, I'm the last person who should be explaining how this works because I don't yeah. know. But my to my basic understanding, it, it, first of all, it's an energy medicine. And in the energy world, there's no distance. So she can help your energy system, which essentially you know your chakra system is one one way of explaining that there 's many energy centers in the body um, and she can help support and move or clear energy that's stuck so that everything's sort of flowing think of a river you know and you got some log jams down mm-hmm. here and some debris over here and so she just kind of goes through and helps clear areas that seem stuck and then she 'll get images about which parts of the body which correlate to certain Maybe spheres of life that need addressing, like you know, fear or relationships, or you know, this person is super ungrounded. They're always in their head. They need to spend a little bit more time in the grass, and you know, things like that. So she'll hmm. she'll do that from afar, and then, or or even just right there in person. And he, I, I'll even speak to my own experience. Like I've had a situation where I was prescribed these CBD drops um, for some pain I was having in my head, and I got the dosage. I misunderstood the dosage and it was like two drops and I did two droppers, which was like 40 drops per dropper. <laughs> yeah. And there was enough THC in the CBD drops that I got. I mean, I knew before, before it hit me, because Michelle was like, how much did you take? And I was like, I did two of the drops. And she's like, drops or droppers? And I'm like, Oh, droppers. So she just started like laughing hysterically and like, Oh my gosh, you're going to be so high. So, um, I was very not excited about this. I don't handle a lot of weed very well, especially since I've done psychedelics. I don't really, I can't really do marijuana because my mind immediately wants to go into hardcore psychedelic journey space. Um, but she did Reiki on me, and I could feel her pulling the experience down to the ground and grounding me so that I didn't have like a paranoid, delusional, psychotic. experience that night. And I was actually able to go to sleep, which I cannot believe. Wow. Um, so just, uh, yeah, I mean, the best way to say it is she's supporting energetically the work because as the mushrooms go into the system, uh, one way that I like to describe it is it's going to release whatever's stored in the body in the sense of, um, you know, like an anesthetic calms you down for surgery. It sedates you for surgery the mushrooms first go through, and they sort of sedate the body and open up stuck stuff in the body, and then releases it so that you can feel it and then move it through. You know, there's a there's a uh, whoa. <laughs> Phone Sorry, control. I hear you. Um, uh, there's a really famous book called The Body Keeps the Score that uh, has yeah. been sort of making its rounds again and again over the last few years, and that's one of the um, you know sort of central ideas is that we store these traumas, these experiences, these, um, painful things that we go through in our bodies. And, um, so I see it all the time in journey space, you know, that's what, that's what happens is all of a sudden there's just enough relaxation. And because of the, you know, power of these compounds, um, things, memories, images that are stored in the body, you know, maybe some tension, um, in the neck, for instance, my wife tends to carry some tension in her neck, can be related to particular beliefs and ideas about who we are in relationship to the world or in relationship to people who are, you know, say family members or romantic partners. And because they're released, like they're opened back up, then we can start to feel them and then let go of them hmm. and then not experience that pain anymore, for instance, or, or have it, you know, severely lessened. Um, but if we aren't doing that, they're just stuck in the body and we really can't get to them. You know? There's yeah. other ways to do that. Psychedelics are not the only way. You know, People do rolfing and, and even chiropractic work or even massage. Sometimes people get a massage and just burst into tears yeah. because something has been released in the body. So There's a million different ways toward these different types of healing, but that's just a, a, a very uh, you know, layman's way of explaining my understanding of how the Reiki and the psychedelics end up working together.
0: How how do you um, personally process be, be behind be in between your uh, spiritual coaching, mm-hmm. is that spiritual coaching, or spiritual direction, coaching? Uh, whatever, yeah, um, <laughs> and then also the work as um, as a journey sitter, yeah. What? How do you process all that? Because there's got to be some secondhand trauma to oh yeah, to get through sitting and, with like, others. Yeah, you're just sitting yeah. with a ton of experience and story, yeah, it's and so trauma, intense. and how do you how do you go through that? How do you process it in healthy? Yeah, ways?
1: great question. Actually, good timing, like right after Reiki question, the Reiki question, because Michelle helps with that a lot, just clearing my field. She's learned a bunch of stuff from some of her teachers and um, friends of ours of how to just cut that energy off. So there are some really basic um, somatic movements that I can do, and then there are some like Reiki clearing that she can do. And then there's just grounding. So taking my shoes off and going down to the beach and putting my feet in the ocean or walking on the sand or the grass or wherever I am um, for not here in Encinitas, you know, for in Washington, I just get out into the, under the trees and, and clear it and then breathing and, and uh, taking a shower even is just mm-hmm. a great way to, you know, not only physically, but somatic or energetically just cleanse myself of whatever's going on. Um, prayer is another one, just like sealing up really? whatever happened, you know. And I don't, yeah. and I probably can describe prayer even worse than Reiki. Like I don't know what's happening anymore. I I, I don't have a theology about it at all. I just yeah. know that when I speak the truth of what's happening inside me, whether it's something I'm longing for or something an intention I'm setting or it's something I'm asking, you know whatever for Mm -hmm. support (laughs) the word god could be put there if you'd like um uh, i can notice a difference there's a difference Mm -hmm. in the way that i experience reality and um and there's a release that happens i mean i see that in journeys yeah where somebody can be i can watch how tight they are and i can see something needs to be expressed like they can see their throat tightening like they're tightening around something that wants to come through and for instance this one woman who's like Struggling for a while, I could tell. I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? Do you need to express something? Do you want to describe the feeling you're having? Finally, she says out loud, I wasn't there for my father when he passed away. Hmm. And as soon as she finished saying those words, all the grief that she had not been able to access since yeah. her father had passed came through like a freight train. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple things happening there. One, there was confession. Like bringing hmm. out what was true already inside she knew the feeling the feeling was happening but why was she still stuck because she hadn't said it spoken it get that truth out there secondly she heard herself say it Mm -hmm. she listened to her own voice acknowledge something that was true so just the compassion that's there like to hear your own pain articulated and then third it was witnessed it wasn't just something she was thinking in her head or saying privately to herself. There was another human being there compassionately holding loving space for her and she knows that it was witnessed. And so that's, that's just a huge part of our healing. You know, Any good psychotherapist knows that part of the healing is going to be seen, being seen rather, in our pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have to be you know, pretty intentional about it. I, I, I've never thought of myself as an empath, I think is what people say. Um, I'm still not sure I'm ready to wear the label, but, um, the last few years I've definitely had to own up to the fact that I can feel people's energy pretty strong and, and, and their pain. Like sometimes I'll notice in the journey, I can tell they're stuck again, there's the tightness in the body and there's some kind of grief that needs to come through and I'll just place my hands over them. I won't even touch their body. And I just, I can start to feel that come through into my body. (laughs) <laughs> again I cannot explain how this works this is just how it goes and I, then the grief starts to hit me and almost immediately if the if the tears start coming out of my eyes just even silently and they have an eye shade on usually so they can't see what's yeah. happening yeah. but if the if the energy moves into me it helps move it through them and then they'll wow. start grieving which is like this fucking crazy magical I, I don't know how that works but it does yeah. happen yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just had to be careful because of that. I started to, you know, realize that I need to pay more attention to, you know, jumping in the ocean and, you know, washing that all off. And, and I can't remember the line Michelle says, but she's something about, you know, taking all of this energy and sealing it up and recycling it for unconditional love. So there's kind of a prayer mm. of a prayer of alchemy, perhaps uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that she does for me that can be really, um,
0: helpful as well but yeah great question thanks for asking yeah I uh I prayed before taking the tea um mm-hmm. just to myself and It was yeah. it was just a weird there's just so there's for me there's still there's still some trappings there for sure oh but yeah. to your point I um I felt like my body needed to you know uh-huh. and uh and it and there was that sense of release you know mm-hmm. as weird as it was for me to pray uh, you know, in my mind still to a Christian God about a high dose psychedelic trip, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, those in yeah. conflict, you know, but it totally. was, but I needed to uh, acknowledge that, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and it was, it was, it was just a quick thing, but I was, it was actually really, really looking back important. I, mm. when you share about, um, how you sit with people and some of these stories, it, yeah. um, I wonder what you think about this, because I, I feel like so much of my career as a pastor was mm-hmm. you're explaining, like, the the very best and highlight moments of the 15 plus years in full-time vocational ministry, right? Those, yeah. like, breakthrough yeah. times that we work countless hours on fucking creating a PowerPoint and, mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and arranging the songs and getting the mailer out on time and, yep. and uh, uh, adjusting the seat rows and, and, <laughs> oh my and God. getting our sermon down just correctly. So much. Yeah. yeah. Just all this, just like so much bullshit, you know, but yeah. those were actually the moments and it was like, this is why I'm doing this. You know, it was the to yeah, totally. actual real, and it's, and looking back, I think so much of what, I was unintentionally – I was working against myself because I think there's – in religion in general and certainly in, in evangelicalism, it's it's a sense of not trusting your body, don't mm. trust your intuition, outsource that like you talked about. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then there were like these – in spite of all that, sometimes, every once in a while, something really beautiful would, would occur in someone's life, you know, and I got yep. to witness that. And that was really yep. – really like that made, that made everything. Totally. Um, and And now it seems like that's just like you just cut out all the bullshit and now it's like <laughs> I just get to do what I always wanted to do anyway
1: for sure, for sure, yeah, there's definitely like you know um, I have to find other ways to get the community, you know that's the thing that that uh people, especially bitter ex church people don't seem to want to give the church this credit, but churches get a community, and I don't care. How many times people want to talk about, oh, but this stuff, you know, they, I got hurt. I got hurt. Listen, the only way you can get hurt by community is if you first fit and were loved by it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, otherwise it wouldn't be a big deal. You know what I mean? The reason we get so wounded is because these are places where we're so cared for. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get that it's broken, but welcome to human relationships. You don't need a religion to fuck up, you know, hurting people. That's, that's just what it means to be in community. So, uh, yes, these experiences are like the, the breakthrough, like, Oh my gosh, I'm here. I'm witnessing life change and healing. And I've realized that, you know, I have to, the, the other benefits of being in, you know, what I used to be in church community, I'd find other ways to, to plug those holes, you know? And, and cause it's not community, Cause these are one-to-one experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, a, there's a lot of benefit cause the, a lot of bullshit I don't have to deal with too. As he said, uh, beliefs for instance, like there's just, I don't give a shit what someone believes. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I believe. And it doesn't matter what they believe. They're about to have an experience with the truth of their hearts. And sometimes, you know, people will get like smack downloads, like revelations about reality about the nature of the universe and things like that and, and you know so it, and it doesn't matter what you believe it's just like that was the truth in the medicine and, and then, what's then the even, question
0: and even um what someone believes is so loaded right it's is it is it actually <laughs> oh my God. what you believe or is it something you were taught or is it something yeah. that you um that you you're protecting because you know, that's, that's um, determined upon your sense of belonging in a community. The first illusion
1: is that you know what you believe. That's the first illusion. Yeah. Like your beliefs are a mystery to you. You know, Pete Rollins has made a career out of, you know, very eloquently showing people that this is the truth. Um, You know, your beliefs visit you and based on your, the experiences you have, you know, what you think you believe will shift the day your child dies. And all of a sudden you'll realize that you might not believe certain things as much as you thought you did, or you're surprised how much you do believe something you didn't think you really did. You know, Mm
0: -hmm. just
1: like, (laughs) you know, people are like, don't believe in prayer until they get cancer or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, the idea that you're going to be consistent with your beliefs or that you know what you believe, that's, that's the farce right there. What's more interesting is what seems to be functionally working for me right now you know what mm-hmm. paths and practices regulate my nervous system and allow me to respond rather than react to the difficulties and the screw-ups and the letdowns of my life the betrayals and the double crossings and <laughs> and the failures and if they're working for you then who cares which beliefs are right i mean it's just such a boring Yeah. question is are you Mm -hmm. are they making you happy are you more at peace Mm because if your religious practices are not making you more at peace in your life then why are you still doing them
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Yeah. i I don't i fail to see what the point is i mean at that point it must be because i'm doing these things that suck and don't work for a heavenly reward you know it must Mm -hmm. be some sort of at the end of the day, everything we're doing, we're doing for some kind of a payoff. There's no mm-hmm. real, um, you know, selflessness in it. You know, we choose our our religious frameworks in some way for it because it's working, and mm-hmm. either it's working for a heavenly
0: reward somewhere as heavenly payoff, or it's actually making us happier. Mm-hmm. So, well, you, in for your. You're alluding to spiritual bypassing again, and you you mentioned the term earlier. So, would you mind yeah. just for the listener defining kind of in your way what that looks like, especially when you're in your work of uh, spiritual coaching?
1: Yeah, well, bypassing is um, is uh, a flight to transcendence. So, it's like instead of dealing with. So, I'll use a psychedelic example. I see it all the time. You know, now that I'm not in the church anymore, I'm in that and I rarely. I mean, I don't even. Much interact with people who have jokes to tell about church anymore. That's how far outside of <laughs> hanging out with yeah. church people I am. Like when people yeah. find out I used to be a pastor, they're like, "Oh, that's cool." I'm like, "What? Really?" Like, <laughs> they have just no baggage. So, but in this world, you know, um, of the whole I don't know open ended spirituality thing, it's really common for people I've just noticed to be really into the cathartic. You know, I'm going to go to Peru and do twelve mm-hmm. ayahuasca ceremonies and but they can't face the bullshit of 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 their own dinner table. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like mm. I want to have these transcendent experiences, but I can't say I'm sorry to mm. anyone so in yeah. a little bit more practical, granular level, um you know, bypassing is like I feel this rage come up in me, but I just ignore it, stuff it down because I'm so spiritual because to feel anger or rage would be beneath my spiritual stature. Mm-hmm. So we just sort of, you know, bypass mm-hmm. what's here, this energy. And we just float up to this ethereal spiritual, um, you know, it's just a bunch of buzzwords and insider language garbage that people use to sound like they're at a higher plane. You know, uh, one of my favorite writers, Mariana Kaplan calls it, um, zen boyfriends and i see that again it with, in the mm-hmm. single community in the mm-hmm. single spiritual communities with young people where it's like you know oh that's just a story you're telling you know and she's trying to bring up a legitimate complaint about the way they relate in their relationship and he's like look you know your projections about what i'm doing and you know that's just your thing rather than being able to handle like mm-hmm. hey this is a way of relating that doesn't work for me. I'm not even needing to moralize it, but it's not working for me. Mm. And if you're unable to change this pattern, then I may need to be out of this relationship. And so often I, I, unfortunately I see it more in men, but I'm sure it's happening in men and women. But this Zen boyfriend phenomenon where rather than Mm. deal with the fact that I hurt her, I use a bunch of complicated metaphysical concepts to say like, no one can actually ever hurt anyone because your soul is eternal and Mm. life is an illusion. We're just in the matrix. So you're responsible for for your emotions. only. Exactly. And that's one of the things I hate the most about the sort of spirituality world is the, um, yeah, you you know, taking a hundred percent responsibility for everything in your life because at its extreme, it, it, you know, suddenly Holocaust survivors have to, Say that their ancestors or, or their, you know, um, contemporaries who died, you know, attracted that into their lives through, you know, because it was part of their soul path to learn or whatever. And mm-hmm. I had done a post on Instagram, kind of shitting on that idea a little bit that made a few people upset. But, but uh, I lo- I'm all for taking 100 percent responsibility in your life, but not because you caused it, but because it's the most empowering way to address your life. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's take 100% responsibility, but not because I can I have some way to prove that my soul chose to be molested when I was 5 because it's a part of my evolving soul path. Like hmm. to yeah. me like let's take the empowering perspective. I'm going to take responsibility so that I can actually do something about okay, things went this way, you know. P- Peter Crone has a great way of saying like it happened the way that it, it had to happen the way that it happened because it did happen that way. <laughs> mm. Like, I love that because it just gets you out of the, um, you know, the arguments about, you know, we used to get into the church too
0: with predestination and free will mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah. who
1: fucking cares? It doesn't matter. It did go that way. It was for and God's until purpose. And tell you and Doc Brown, what's that? It
0: was, it was for God's purpose.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, once you just let go of needing to define that, And you realize that until you and Dr. Emmett Brown actually invented DeLorean time machine, like the way that it went is the way that it went. So it doesn't really matter. And all the energy that goes into woulda, shoulda coulda is just a waste of energy, energy that you could, could be putting into, okay, I accept reality as it is. This did happen. Therefore it had to be that way because it did happen that way. And that's an empowering perspective. So that's kind of a, I went all, all over the place, but, Um, yeah, that's, that's some of the spiritual bypassing stuff that I see around here for sure. And of course the alternative would be to, um, actually deal with what's here and using our spiritual practices to go into what's here rather than not fly
0: a transcendence away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the, the journey for me helped me do that to go into some of those, Really, really difficult, painful mm-hmm. memories. Yeah, that I was it, bypassing. Yeah, and, and then you know, tri- oh, go sorry, sorry, go ahead. Oh, and then just come home and 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 desire to live that out. You know, like, exactly. there's not a there's not a, a day that goes by, Ryan, that I don't um, I don't think about and and integrate that experience, Nicanita. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's always even in, in my breath, I've noticed too, even mm. like literally every time I take a deep breath mm. and exhale deeply that it, 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 uh, it triggers me in a really great way of like, do you remember that you're enough? Do you, do you remember yeah. that wow. um, people around you are enough that you don't need to yeah. fix anyone that you, you know, yeah, you don't need Beautiful. to be helpful. Mm-hmm. It was, um, mm-hmm. uh, geez, man, seriously, it's, it's, it's weird. That it has so integrated to the point of like it's it's in my breath.
1: Wow. Well, I believe it, man. I mean, I've had I've had journeys that I did that like three years later, I'm still integrating, and I'll have like an awareness. Oh my god, I now see how this fits into this, or you know what what the medicine was trying to tell me. I understood at one level, and then mm-hmm. three years later, I have an experience that I'm like, oh my god, it was for this. Oh, and yeah. I'm okay. really so. These things are, you know, emergent in, in the way that they sort of roll out. Yeah, life, oh, that's good to you know? know. Okay. So the, the, the learnings continue. And, of course, for me, you know, psychedelics, high-dose psychedelics has become a, uh, a part of my, you know, my I guess you could call it religious practice. Like, it, there's no dogma, but... Um, yeah. Well, you did offer me a, communion in the form of the tea, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is a sacrament, which is funny. Here I am still <laughs> serving communion. Yes, there's no escape. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just like it, it's a regular part of my life where at least four times a year or more, I'm intentionally going into these sacred spaces, just like we would, you know, think about religious festivals, you know, in ancient, in the ancient world, you know, these are moments I'm trying to set intervals as I move through the dimension of time, which we seem to be locked into, at least for now. (laughs) Um, so that I don't lose sight, right. Mm -hmm. Of of the truths that I know in the medicine that love is the only thing that matters, that, um, there's a deep okayness behind all of the drama and, and, um, complexity of life. Um, and that there's an order to all of this stuff that may be an infinite mystery beyond my understanding, but one that I can relax into trust because of, and, and boy, oh boy, let's just talk about biological health or physiological health, if you can live in the vibration of deep trust, you're going to be healthier, (laughs) right? So if you can find whatever helps your body and your nervous system trust the goodness and beauty and um, order of reality, um, you're going to be healthier, which means you're also going to be able to have better relationships and be calmer as things get more chaotic, which they seem to be getting more chaotic in our world. Yeah. Um, You know, we need, we need people who are very good at managing their endocrine system and their hormonal balance Mm. and, and their breath, as you say. Um, These, these are going to be important features of a healthy human being uh, moving forward as the world gets more speed, you know, it seems like history just keeps speeding up and globalization is getting more and more complex and climate change is, is rearing its head. In ways that are forcing us to deal, and and people who cannot regulate their vehicle, aka the body, are going to have um, you know increasingly more and more difficulty dealing with
0: the complexity of our world. Do you? I know our time is almost almost up, but here's a working theory I have that it's almost in our in our American culture almost like distrust has almost become a, a virtue. <laughs> don't trust don't trust scientists don't trust yeah yeah um authority don't trust um and i get it that i'm not saying it's a call to be um you know just uh flippant or um naive right yeah for um, sure. um or childish but but um i wonder how much of that uh up not if it, if just trust on a virtue at least it's like a it's um um it is a decision to uplift it um to a higher level than maybe it's healthy for humanity mm-hmm. that I wonder how much that is connected to our own distrust of ourselves mm-hmm. and our distrust of our own body and, and, and our intuition, as you, as you said earlier, am I forcing something to come full circle or do you think there's some connection points there?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I, you know, the, I think it's, this is might be what you're saying. So forgive me if I'm just repeating what you're saying but, My sense is that it's the larger frame that you live in. If you live in distrust, that's just, that's not a positive vibrational reality for your body or your spirit. Um, And so, if that's just sort of the way you move in the world, that's not going to work. I think that's unhealthy. And to live in trust is not to just, believe everything the tv or your church or the yeah. cdc feeds you that's also not the same thing it's just decide look i live in an abundant trust of what i know like i can trust my own experience i can trust um what i know to be true my intuition instead of by right, outsourcing all of that to you know the so-called priests and magisterium of whatever professionals that the world wants to hand to you Yeah. Um, so it means I want to live in trust, but I also want to have discernment and that's going to be tricky. Mm -hmm. And when we get into, Oh, looks like the gardeners here. (laughs) Sorry. If you get a bunch of weed wecker noise, um, it, that there's just no quick and easy answer for that because everybody wants to colonize your, Mm. Your, who you should trust and who you should discern against. You know, that's mm. kind of like everyone's favorite pastime these days. Um, and I'm just so bored of that at this point. I mean, I spent so many years trying to defend my particular version of following Jesus and just realize like there's just no end to it. There's always going to be a crowd of people who tell you you're doing it wrong. Even if you mm. change everything you're doing now to fit the people who are telling you you're doing it wrong, there'll be a new group of people telling you you're doing it wrong yeah yeah what's more you you have you're you're accountable to your own guts like i don't know who said it but let each man rise and fall to his own master like you're gonna have to live with yourself so Mm -hmm. what do you value like what what are you doing in your life and if you can be in alignment with that to yourself great but that's really the only marker i'm particularly interested in anymore because Everybody else is going to be passionate about why you need to give your life to American nationalism or to um, emergent progressive Christianity or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be true to me and yeah. and what I know is that is going to piss off everybody whose whole mission seems to be to get everyone to agree with them.
0: Mm. Um, but I I don't have any more time for that silliness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great, man. No, I I, I always. I've I've really grown to really admire that about you. There's just a real peace and integration. Like it's, 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 um, it's, it's seriously, it's something I really admire because I, I want more and more of that in my own life to, to feel those, you know, those, those years of, of trying so hard to be the right kind of Christian, but, <laughs> oh, man, not, to we integrate tried hard, that man. into my life. <laughs> yeah, we did. We gave Compassion it a shot.
1: <laughs> for those guys. Like, oh, man, I was so stressed about doing it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you, man. Well, uh, whatever degree to which I'm living that out, that's inspiring you. Uh, thank you. I'll I'll try to receive that as much as I can. But the truth is, I spent so many years not doing that. Yeah, that it got so fucking painful. You know, just realizing I just could never win that. There was no finish line to yeah. everybody approving of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was embarrassing to even admit that I longed for that you know, yeah, that I yeah. wanted everybody to approve of me. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think it just, I so that's sometimes the good thing about selling out to something so hard that it can break. You know, if you really sell out to an idea, like I'm going to get everybody to believe in me or, you know, approve of me, or I'm going to be so Christian. Sometimes that's the very thing that lets you get all the way into the center and it breaks. Mm. Um, and that's the liberation. Yeah. You're like, okay, I can't fucking do this. It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so at least in my case, uh, that was the only way out. It wasn't like I was one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to be more solid with me. You know, like it mm-hmm. was, it was, I, I tried so hard to, to do it right and it didn't work. And it was so fucking painful. Yeah. And my ego got pummeled. Then in the rubble of that, not working, I was like, well, maybe I should try something different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I just didn't want to. Yeah. I just didn't want to stop. I was, I didn't. I, I wonder how much that's just a, a healthy midlife crisis too. Of like, do I really want to live the next forty years still trying to, to appease totally. everyone and and to become yes. even more right about things?
1: Absolutely. God, I love midlife for that reason. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a. There's a reason. Obviously, the the shitty, you know, stereotype is the red sports car and the. And the the blonde girlfriend, you know, 20 years younger, but, uh, the, the, the midlife shakeup, right. Or the midlife realignment is a liberation. It's like, look, man, you're already halfway through at least. Um, maybe you should just be, you now.
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Laura and I laugh all the time about it. She's like, I feel like you did your midlife crisis pretty good. You bought a new bike and you, and you did a high-dose high psychedelic <laughs> therapy trip and ball dries out and came back and you were a better dad. So totally. That works out totally. pretty
1: good. I agree. I agree. Get weird. You know. We only have a little bit of time. I was talking yeah. to my, my grandma who's you know, 90, I don't, know, I don't even know, 90-something. She got COVID, so we'll, hopefully she... Cruises through, but she's like, you know, quarantined in a nursing home. And oh gosh. And uh, what I love about her is she's just like, she's irritated because she wants to be outside, you know, and live her life. And she's always a great reminder to me. It's like, look, go do you, you know, like you don't yeah. have time to mess around with bowing
0: to everyone else's expectations, you know. So, yeah, I try to do that as much as I can. Yeah. All right, Ryan Meeks thanks a lot for your time i know we went a little bit over Kyle, but i just i love the you, world you, man. I love you too, man <laughs> thank you you're listening to the not quite compassion podcast it would mean the world to me if you took the time to rate uh, and review. Leave a little comment on iTunes or Spotify about the podcast. Tell us what you like about it. And it really helps with the ranking of it and for more people to be able to find it. Um, also, if you have any questions about the podcast or suggestion or something, um, go ahead and just email me. It's uh, Reynolds at gmail.com. Simple as that. So K-Y-L-E-D-E-A-N-R-E-Y n-o-l-d-s kyle dean reynolds at gmail.com uh, or uh, you can always reach out to me on the socials uh, at, at kyle reynolds on twitter, thanks <laughs>